said no to her Since she was a baby We keep saying no to her what an extraordinary musical career, what an incredible legacy. David Crosby passing away, that's the birds. Then of course there's Crosby, Stills and Nash, Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young. There's the solo act, there's the creation of two children with <laughs> Melissa Etheridge. Uh, Richard Krauss is here on a Friday morning. And Richard, I'm just noticing a Starbucks coffee on Twitter. Is that contemporaneous? Oh, yeah, no, I'm enjoying that right now. But it's my Starbucks mug uh, with the giant lid of foam that I put on it. We just got a, a new uh, Smeg milk foamer, and it just makes these pillowy mountains of foam that are something like when I go to bed at night, I look forward to getting up in the morning. Wow. So okay. that I can have one of these. That's an unfortunate trade name. I can't imagine <laughs> they sent Smeg to the uh, focus group and everybody said it was a good idea. Well, that's appetizing. <laughs> um, we were just listening to a little bit of uh, of uh, David Crosby there, mm -hmm. and um, you know, I, I think I guess we we should be paying tribute as much as we can. You're probably the better guy. Yeah, I met him once. Uh, I met David Crosby once years ago, and uh, he was not nice to me, uh, in particularly at that moment, which I think kind of uh, falls in line with his personality traits uh, of that era. Um, he was a troubled guy, but a genius musician. And if you want to get a real sense of what he was like and what he was all about, there's a documentary called David Crosby, Remember My Name, uh, directed by Cameron Crowe. And Cameron Crowe, of course, it was that kid at like I don't know fourteen or fifteen years old, something like that, uh, started writing for Rolling Stone magazine. And if you've ever seen the movie Almost Famous, it's that's kind of sort of his life story uh, of following bands on the road. One of them, when he was a teenager, was uh, Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young. So he's known David Crosby for a very long time. And so in later life, they go back to Laurel Canyon and walk through and go to all the houses that he lived in there and, and just talk about his life in a really real and uh, unfiltered way. And if you want a sense of what David Crosby was all about, check it out. It's called David Crosby, Remember My Name, and it's really, really good. Alec Baldwin is going to be charged with involuntary manslaughter after mm -hmm. firing. He insists he never pulled the trigger, but he was holding the gun that killed a woman on set. Um, I, I, I won't say this is overreach for the prosecutor, but I just don't see any, any means of this succeeding as a manslaughter charge. Oh, I don't agree. Mm. Um, I think that uh, the conviction uh, yesterday or a couple of days ago now of David Halls, who was the first uh, assistant director, um, he's been given a suspended sentence and six months of probation. But he's the guy that handed the gun to Alec Baldwin. And uh, he is apparently going to cooperate uh, now as part of his plea agreement uh, with the district attorney in New Mexico. And I have a feeling that it's not going to be in this I think sounds kind of counterintuitive, I guess, but I don't think it's going to be about uh, Baldwin actually allegedly pulling the trigger. I don't think it's going to be about that. I think it's more to do with him being a producer on a film that treated safety on the set like it was just any other line item on the budget. And I think that what you have is a movie set, as the district attorney described, that played fast and loose uh, with the rules 
and led to the death of one person, tragically, and the severe injuring of another person. And I think that it's going to be that in his role as producer uh, that ends up uh, coming back to to uh, cause him yeah. the most trouble. Here. Okay, I can, and I can appreciate that, actually, because um, I have worked with armorers on sets, mm. and I know how... Uh, you know, detail-oriented they are. Because if your whole job is to handle weapons and keep them safe and brief people yep. who know nothing about weapons and make sure that they know what they're doing, you're usually good at your job. And you're right. Everything I read about the armorer on this set, it almost sounds like she should have been doing the craft table. Yeah, her, her father was a legendary armorer, and uh, her name's Hannah Gutierrez-Reed, and uh, she should never have been handling uh, ammunition. Uh, they... Uh, had a number of issues on this set. Uh, they had cut back in on so many uh, elements that people are used to from being on a on a film set, the craft tables and the accommodations and all that kind of thing, uh, that the crew were desperately unhappy and other rules were broken. And there's a straight line between all of that unrest right back to the producers, uh, of which Alec Baldwin was one of them. So I think he's uh, in more than a bit of hot water here. Let me play a clip for you, actually, from a conversation I had this week with Nathan Fillion from The Rookie, and I was a little hesitant to ask the question because, you know, I'm asking about mm -hmm. something very, very unpleasant. And it led to something that was almost newsworthy because I said, have you changed how you handle weapons on The Rookie? We had used blanks a, a few times on our show, but we tend to use a lot of uh, airsoft. It just It's simply a, an air canister in the gun that allows the gun mechanism to operate. We add a flash in later, which... When you're using blanks, you often have to use a, a little computerized flash uh, fl muzzle flare anyway, because it, sometimes the flash happens between uh, between frames. Nothing has really changed on screen, yet the safety factor for actors, we are the first show in Los Angeles to go completely non-gun. Interesting, because I mean, Richard, <laughs> you probably remember that they used to use live ammunition. I mean, James yeah. Cagney once had, was strafed with machine gun bullets yep. in a scene, and he said, that's it, I ain't working with guns again. Yeah, and I think a lot of uh, shows and and actors came on and said in the in the wake of all of this Alec Baldwin situation uh, in October of 2021 came on and said, oh, that's it, no more guns for us, and we're not going to do it. We're going to just use rubber guns, and we'll figure it out later. And I think that that has subsided a little bit. The rookie, notwithstanding, I think uh, the the way that guns are handled on set uh, is extraordinarily safe if you follow the rules. And I think probably what we'll see here is just more adherence to the rules and people really paying attention to the, the golden rules of what happens when you have live ammunition on a set. Okay, so I'm almost sympathetic when it comes to Austin Butler, the guy who played Elvis, because <laughs> when I'm in England, I start finding myself drifting into an English accent. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's because my dad's from the South, but when I'm in the South, I start talking like a Southerner. And apparently Austin Butler may be doomed for the rest of his life to speak like Elvis. Well, I had him in there. I had him in at the radio station the week before the Elvis movie came out. And you have to keep in mind that he had worked on this character for years. Uh, they were meant to shoot before the pandemic. The pandemic happened. Then he just worked on perfecting the accent and the the moves and everything else that goes along with playing Elvis. And honestly, when I met him, he was like, oh, thank you. Thank you very much. You know, doing that, that kind of Elvis thing. And I thought, wow, I, you know, I, I have no frame of reference because I didn't watch 
iCarly and the Nickelodeon shows that he was on beforehand. So I don't know, maybe he was like a, you know, a, a 15 year old Elvis impersonator sounding guy back then. But he definitely has uh, that ring to the voice that has not gone away. And um, whether it will fade over time, I just can't imagine that he's going to take that into other roles. You know, imagine that he's doing a period piece uh, next time set in, you know, in London in 1855. And he's like, <laughs> you know, thank you. Thank you very much. much. Thank you, Your Majesty. Thank you. (laughs) Richard, good to talk with you this morning. Thanks a lot. Thanks, John.